Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up today with Paul Hewitt, CEO of Corora Resources, formerly RNC Minerals. He gives us a run through what they've been up to recently. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, and indeed the company itself, you can get that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club where you can also find detailed company reports, uh, commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. There are training videos on there. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you a bit of time. And of course, there's our community of shareholders uh, sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And do go along and join them now at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Hey, Paul, how are you doing, sir? Hey, Matt, how have you been? Yeah, really good, really good. Very well, thank you very much. And where, where are you at the moment? Yeah, I'm here in Reno at home. It's, it's been a while since we last spoke. Yeah, we had, uh, actually we had Oliver on recently, um, I think, crikey, about a month ago. So it gave us an update. Things seem to be going quite well, but we've, we've been looking at this slew of press releases with lots of big numbers in there. And I was keen to talk to you. Um, so thanks for picking up the phone, I appreciate it. No, a pleasure. It's a pleasure to talk to you again and to reach out and uh, get a message to our shareholders. We've had some very exciting stuff come up here. Um, we've been, again, heads down, working strong at delivering and focused at making sure we get our production in line. Okay, there's a bunch of stuff to run through because we've not spoken in a while. Okay, so do you mind if we kind of go through this and then I've got some questions for you about what sure, the future looks like. Okay. So Spargos, okay, I saw the drill results over you know significant grades and significant widths and you know what's happening there what can you tell us yeah look um i gotta tell you you know the strategy to buy spargos was very intentional we bought spargos in, initially because we loved the asset we it was near the mill it was another feed for the mill it provided us optionality to fill our mill and that was spargos and look we paid what four million dollars for this but they used our mill as a milling solution. And once we acquired the mill from West Ohm, we could no longer offer that milling solution to them. So um, we really got this thing at an amazing price. As you mentioned, the results were outstanding. They exceeded our own expectations. Look, we hit 29.8 gram across 19 meters, uh, 27.3 gram across 15 meters. These are some big, big intercepts here. And this is in the pit, extending it down to the south. Um, and, and look, let me tell you, you know, we've been known about in 12 months. We've only been at this 12 months. People sometimes forget this is our maiden year. It's year one for us here. Um, but we took that same approach, that same discipline approach that we had at Beta Hunt, at Higginsville. We did that same discipline approach at Spargo's. We looked at the royalties that were there. There's a 3% royalty there. So we ended up buying that royalty back. We paid $3 million. We wanted to write a check for it. Hands down, I said, write them a check. We're going to just, we, we don't need the dilution. But there's somebody on the other end when you're negotiating. So they, they wanted to make sure that they could participate in some upside. So we ended up negotiating to uh, 2 million to 1 million. So we gave them 2 million cash, then a million in shares. They get to participate in the upside. So they don't look bad in front of their shareholders. And you see the results. We didn't have these results when we negotiated our royalty. We eliminated that 3% royalty again. You know, we've been talking about royalties for how long, Matt? Since the day I met you. It was Morgan Stanley. It was Mavericks. It's now Remilius. Now they're done. They're done. We've got a foundation set in front of ourselves 
at all three operations now. Now it's the time to get serious and start the drilling. Well, no, we've certainly done that. I did want to ask you about Romelia. So, so the, thanks for explaining that. I mean, we kind of had read that, but I'm, I'm remembering back to when we spoke. We were sort of talking about the business being happy to continue churning out at sort of roughly at or near three grams a ton type level. You've got a 12,000 meter program, which you had initially allocated against Spargos. Having seen these grades, does that change? You've got cash. You've got a lot of cash. It changes. You're right. It changes. There's no doubt it changes. First, it changed with the step one and the royalty. But step two is we're, we're being more aggressive. We're adding a second drill there. We're, um, the exciting stuff about Spargos is that it's so near surface. We had always planned to be mining that in 2021. But at this point, we're, look, we're going we're gonna to have a new resource in reserve this year. And we can talk about that afterwards. We won't be able to include all that drilling from the recent stuff in Spargos, but we have to get it into a mining plan. We will likely be mining. This, this is where I'm heading. We're likely going to be mining in Spargos by as soon as Q2 of 2021. Now, you think about that. That's that's really quick. We bought it. We paid $4 million in cash. We negotiated a royalty. Um, we just started a drilling program. And, and let's not forget, we were down five months of the year here. We could not drill for five months of the year. While we were running under COVID, we had strict measurements to make sure that we didn't infect people. We couldn't have a drill on site for five months. That delayed us quite a bit. So we're playing catch up here and, and we're really increasing the drilling. So to your point, we have two drills. We're gonna add a second drill at, at Spargos. Uh, we're gonna drill as much as we can. We're gonna be mining it in Q2, likely Q2 of 2021. Like that's, that's right around the corner here. That's not far ahead of ourselves. No, no, I, 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 get, I get that. One more point, one sure. more point. Hang on there, young man. One more point, young man. The grade. There's a very good potential that this grade is higher grade than our underground mine. You think about that now. Come on, man. Wow, we could have a grade that is in excess of our underground mine from an open pit. Wow, that, that look, come on, man. I, I've not seen that micro. I've mined all over Canada, the US, you're mining an open pit that's higher grade than an underground. This is pretty outstanding stuff here that we got in front of ourselves here. No, I, I can see this. And, and because there's so many bits to this, I want to come back to you about a mine plan, okay? And I, I, I do want to have that conversation, but I want to get an update on some of these moving parts and then put the whole thing together. So again, can we talk about Lake Cowan drilling? What's happening there? Oh, look, everybody knows Graham. He's an amazing man. Graham Sloan has done nothing but been a great person in our company. If you sit with Graham Sloan and you have an interview with Graham, and I suggest you probably do that in the near future, he will tell you personally of all the areas he's excited about and being uh, from Australia and running Australia for us, he's most excited about drilling in the Salt Lake system. Look, in the last couple of years, um, Goldfields has perfected a way to drill under the Salt Lake systems. It wasn't for a long time that people could do this. It has recently been perfected. We're following on their success. And if you think of, let's just talk about what they have. They've got, what is it? Invincible has got about 1.3 million ounces. Revenge has about 3.5 million ounces. Um, what's the other one? Uh, Victory. It has about 3.7 million ounces. You know, we're talking seven, eight million ounces of resource in this Salt Lake beds. Our very own Baloo mine that West Gold bought that we acquired and inherited as part of the acquisition is in a Salt Lake system. 
So the fact that we're out there drilling on these Salt Lake systems, it's never been tested in Higginsville or that district that we're in, 1,800 square kilometers, royalties removed, a whole system to drill here. We have the opportunity to discover something pretty impressive. Our neighbors have certainly found some impressive stuff. We're drilling on it now. We've got the dollars to do it, as you pointed out. You know, we ended, what, $67 million in cash. 12 months ago, I was looking at the balance sheet. We had negative $8.7 million in working capital, $800,000 in cash. We were in a tough situation before we had this mill. So um, I got to tell you, I'm extremely happy, pleased with the success uh, of what we've done, happy about where we're heading. And there's a lot more to come. There's a lot more to come. This is year one again. I, I get it. I, I get it's year one. I get you're excited. Lake County, I'll come back to that because, again, I want to come back to how you piece all this together because you got the cash, but you got to do it in the right order. You you know, you can't be everywhere, right? So let's just finish off and try and understand what. So with regards to uh, the Larkin Gold Zone, okay, because um, I'd like to sort of understand, you know, things like, you know, the western flanks of the north extension, et cetera. So, again, can fill us in there. Let me try to put it into a, a really – Simple process here. When you think about, I'll get to Larkin in in 30 seconds. Let me just talk, I I forgot to mention something about drilling on the Salt Lake and Higginsville as a whole. When we bought Higginsville, Matt, you know, it was a distressed asset. It wasn't an asset that we were buying that had a lot of drilling in front of itself, that had a lot of mine planning. We had to really do some grade control drilling. We had to do some resource definition, reserve definition. While we've been mining, and, and think about this, all right, if we're down for five months this year, how do you do great control? How do you do resource? We've managed to successfully deliver our plan while we're doing these things and doing mine planning. So it is not a simple task to try to do this mine planning while you have a big gap in grade control and drilling. So all these things that we're doing, we're trying to balance a very fundamental part of the mine planning and sequencing to get those tons to the mill, to get them into Dore Gold Bar. So I just wanted to explain, I think sometimes people people might rationalize it and say, well, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? They sometimes forget that with a gap of five months in drilling and the fact that we bought Higginsville and it wasn't perfect ready to mine, you go, that kind of makes sense. That's actually true. They didn't buy an asset that was perfect. They bought a distressed asset. That's why we got it for $50 million. Let's face it. We got that asset at bargain, bargain prices. Look, uh, $25 million for a $100 million mill, $25 million for $1.9 ounces. That's $17 an ounce. You look at an acquisition in 2020, you're looking anywhere from $170 to $350 an ounce. So we got a really good deal for our shellers. Sometimes I think people underestimate the amount of effort that we put into to get this into a mine plan and the, the work we got to get from where it was where we are and into a Dore Gold Bar. So, um, I, I look, I'm an operator. I've been an operator my whole life. I've been a CEO second. I'm a raised miner. Um, if you ask my father, I'm a raised miner gone bad, he'll say. He was a great miner and something went wrong in his head at some point in his career. But um, when, I, when I think about the operations and the amount of effort and work we've done to overcome, while so many other people in 2020 have dropped their guidance into half, and it's our first year we're maintaining it. We're, we're nailing the guidance. We're reducing the costs at all level. What more can you ask from us? Well, what what is what more can you ask? It's 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 about delivering and us following through with what we told 
our shareholders we would do. No, you, you've got you've got it, Paul. Like, I, I, not doubting any of that. You, you it, we had buyers uh, at the beginning of the year. You're flooding. And then you had COVID. I, I, get, I get the, and you're not, not being able to draw for five months. I get it. You guys have planned, like Billy, it's the turnaround story of, 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 of the year for us. I'm, however, interested in what you now do. As it's your shareholders are interested in what you do now, because you've got a lot of cash, 67 million bucks last quarter. I suspect there'll be a little bit more by the end of this year. You've, you've hit your 100,000 ads. It's, there's another inflection moment here. And what I would like to understand is how do you plan for growth from this point? Because you, you've done a heck of a job, but it's relentless. That's why you paid the big bucks, right? You've got to work out how do we move to the next phase? So what's the, what, how do you yeah. move to the next phase? So let's talk about one of the, the questions that I didn't answer. You asked about Larkin. There's a perfect example. How do you increase growth? How do you increase production? We'll, we'll look at Larkin here. That Larkin zone is south of an Alpha Island. Probably. We're currently mining at Beta Hunt on half a kilometer between Western Flanks and the A zone. That's it. The district is four kilometers in length here. We're only mining a shoestring. Now that we've renegotiated that, we're going to really start to open up this mine. We're going to start to take advantage of the system that exists. There's so much infrastructure in here. There's 400 kilometers of tunnels in this mine. Every year in my career, I have spent, for the last 20 years of my life, I spent anywhere from 12 to $18 million every year in sustaining capital for waste development. We're going to spend half of that at this operation to produce the same amount of ounces because so much infrastructure exists. And, and here's, here's where I'm going, your question. Where do you grow? Well, let's talk about Larkin. Larkin was discovered in a drift that was there for 20 plus years. Um, I'm going off memory here. It was 2.6 meters of uh, 20 gram, and it was 14 meters of 5 gram. That I remember perfectly. We flipped the drills up. This is a channel sample off the wall of a drift here. We're starting to re-assay all these drifts. We haven't even done 30% of them. There's so much of them that don't have ventilation in them. So, We've got to get ventilation into these areas, and then we're going to start mining them. So what you're going to see is the Larkin area. Again, we saw, we showed you that. Here's the level we drilled above our heads, and we hit the widths that are probably twice as wide as we're presently mining today at almost double the grade. We're mining at about a 2.6 to 2.8 gram underground at, at Bedan today. That Larkin zone was 14 meters of 5 gram. That is twice as wide with, with what, five gram compared to uh, 2.8 gram. That's, that's almost double the grade here. So if we can start injecting this into our other system, opening up the mine, where's our bottleneck? The mill. And, and look, from the first day we started, I know that people might be getting fed up of hearing, okay, ortho orders, we heard it before. Well, it's true. The truth is we brought them in, COVID hit, we had to take them out. We're bringing them back. But we've, you know, in the first month that I became CEO after buying that mill, it wasn't six months later. It wasn't nine months later. It was the first month we started. I, I led an initiative with Graham to start looking at mill expansion because we anticipated in a year from now we would add too much feed. We haven't been sitting on our hands here doing nothing. We know we need another mill or a mill expansion or something else. We get that. We're, it's a technical problem. We will overcome it. 
we will always be able to overcome technical solutions. Some other things that are out of our control, they're more challenging. But in our case, our growth profile, we're going to put out a resource in reserve this month. In the first quarter, 2021, we're going to put out a growth plan. For the first time ever, this company has never demonstrated, never put one out. We will put one out for our shareholders in 2021 that'll lay out a plan how we grow from where we are. And we'll get, look, we'll see some good movement. We'll get good credit for that. We have yet to do it. Um, again, look, it's our first year. Give us, give us, give us credit for what we've done. We're, we're all hands on deck still going forward. We'll get something out in Q1 of 2021 that will be exciting for people. And, and the good part about this is we can fund it. We've got, you know, we've got 70 million in cash. We'll end the year stronger. I've never once in my career been penalized for having too much cash. I've been detrimentally harmed um, by not having enough cash. Um, we're, we're, we're thinking of what the right thing to do for our shareholders, absolutely to create value for them on every step of the way. So, okay. anyhow, hopefully that answers it, it does answer the point about the group. It, it does answer it. And I expect there's more answers to come. So reserve and resource update in December, mine plan for next year, guidance for next year, you're quite positive. Which is pretty good because you, you know, you found some coarse gold recently, but didn't really talk about it. So you're not a coarse gold company yeah, anymore, look, apparently. Look, um, uh, nobody's more excited about finding coarse gold than us. I'll tell you what. And now, look, we 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 are we are mining in the areas where that sediment exists, where Father's Day exists. We're mining in those areas. We were we were not mining actively in the past in those areas. We, we wanted to make sure that royalty was renegotiated. Let's face it. We make more money for our shareholders. It's $50 an ounce. It's $46 an ounce for every ounce. And now, you know, that payback for that was just on the ounces that we had for that royalty. That Mavericks decision was so strategic and critical. It's what brought Eric's brought in. It brought in a lot of others, but now every ounce that we find going forward, it, let's, let's, let's make an assumption here. We got 1.2 million ounces total resource. If Beta Hunt gets to 2.4 million, is a double something unrealistic? That's not unrealistic. Every ounce you go forward, you, you're saving that $46 an ounce. There's, there's tremendous savings here. If you grow it to 3 million, you know, there, there's a lot of room here um, for what we've done here. So, so what, do you, what do you say to people um, who, you know, you got a lot of grief initially because your mind plan didn't involve chasing coarse gold. So do you, would you yeah, say okay. you've made the it's right so, decision? Yeah, yeah there's, look, there's no doubt we made the right decision. Come on, man. Um, so we announced 2,000 ounces. I think I said this on the quarterly call. I believe I was asked this question. Um, we announced 2,000 ounces. We've already increased it by, what is it, 20, 25% to 2,500 ounces. Just imagine if we could have 2,500 ounces on a go forward basis almost every quarter. That would be pretty phenomenal because that goes straight to the bottom line for us. We managed in the first three quarters of 2020 to demonstrate to the world, to everybody, that Beta Hunt is successful and it does make money at the average grade. And, and look, that's what got the institutions in. We were all pleading, why aren't institutions in the story? I don't get it. I don't understand. I'll tell you why. They told us why. Because of the course gold. Unpredictable. Unreliable. We don't believe you can make money without it, Paul Hewitt. We don't think Beta Hunt is economic without it. Well, they're wrong. Beta Hunt is economic without it. We've proved it. Three quarters in a row, 
we mined at Beiran economically because we have the mill now. Uh, you know, our milling costs were $45 to $50 a ton. We're down below $22 a ton. Our recoveries are improved. We renegotiated contracts with all our vendors, Matt. That shaved about $40 an ounce. We shaved $46 an ounce from the royalties. We reduced GNA. You know, Toronto had 18 people. Toronto's left with three people. We sublet the office even because we had a contract. We've got a law firm working in our office. We've reduced costs like we promised to our shareholders to ensure that our mine could be economic with the average grade. Now, bring in the coarse gold and add that in. Nobody's clapping more than us. We're thrilled about it because we know that that goes straight to the bottom line. And I'll tell you, if we can consistently do uh, 2,500 ounces every quarter, boy, 10,000 ounce a year or something like that, that's a huge, huge increase to the bottom line. And these are assumptions. I'm making assumptions here, but um, I don't think they're totally unrealistic considering we're mining in these areas and we're starting to open up more of the mine. We're starting to open up more of the workings. When we took over Beta Hunt Mine, we were mining 40,000 tons. And I know that's the tonnage and we are mining ounces, but it's important to know that the mine mine was able to do 40,000 tons in the beginning. We're pushing 65,000 tons and we're going to increase that by adding more working areas. And you're already seeing some of the better grades that we're drilling into. Those will be added into our mine plan. And look, Let's not forget the competition we're going to have with our little sparkles down the road here across the street from us. So it's going to throw some big competition to our own beta hunt mine here on, on displacing grade. We've seen the ASIC coming down. It's getting near that $1,000 mark. So we've all seen that. But I want to talk about the mill component here because, you know, you can't... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hang oh, on, Matt. There's hang more. On. You can't do- <laughs> No, no, no. Hang on. I'm not letting you walk away with that, man. There's no way I'm letting you walk on that one. Oh, come on, man. So, ASIC, look, we said, let, let's, let's talk about it. It started at $1,183 or $1,200 an ounce. The last quarter, we were at $1,044. That, Matt, that included $84 an ounce uncontrollable by us. $84 from the FX. Just the change in exchange rate. So, if you if you map this out in Australian dollars, we were well below $1,000. All we're looking at is the FX kicked us up to 1,040. We were 960 an ounce, by the way. 960 an ounce. That's where we were. The exchange on the FX, does it matter to us? We report there for convenience. We don't shift all our dollars into US anyhow. We pay our people in, in, in Australia. We pay our vendors. 95% of everything we do is in Australian dollars. If you trended that on a downward scale, you would see, wow, they, they really nailed it. Uh, we said we'd get below 1,000. We were nearly 960 an ounce. Uh, if you exclude that FX. So we're not going to be able to control the FX and what it does, but we're not always taking $20 million and bringing it into US dollars and losing on it. It's just a measurement we use for ease, for analysts, for the rest of the market to understand Compare us on a, on a US dollar metric. I, okay, I get it for reporting. So that begs the next question, is an ASX listing on the cards? Yeah, look, um, we had hoped for one this year. Uh, we, we had other things happen. The, the COVID impacted that. Whether people believe that or not, it's actually true. We, um, the ability to travel there, the ability to meet with the right people to get this done um, was, was not on the table for 2020. Now, 2021, it's, we're certainly, it's going to come back at the forefront. We haven't forgotten about it. We've not forgotten about it. We've said earlier on, we believe it made a lot of sense. We still believe it makes a lot of sense. So, 
if we can all get through this COVID situation, I think you're going to see us uh, making that a very uh, strong objective for ourselves in, in 2021. Okay, let me come back to the milk question, okay? You have a very nice problem ahead of you because you can improve the grade going through the mill by blending if you, if you do get to the point where Spargos becomes a consideration, okay? So that, that helps, but that's just playing around the edges. What you've said there is you recognize that you've got to look at um, enhancements to the mill or a new mill. But <laughs> the trouble is you, you're successful. People can see you're successful. People can see you've got money. It, it kind of reduces your negotiation stance a little what, a little bit, doesn't it? So um, are there mills that are available? Oh, oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. Maybe, um, I don't know, is the air different where you're at than where I'm at? Because I... I think that that actually gives me more leverage when I can, people can see I have the ability to pay. If I'm walking around, look, I bought a mill in 2011 from Newmont and I had $2 million in cash. And I almost didn't get that mill because the guy who was bidding against me had 700 million. And that's a true, true story. I lived through it. Um, Newmont said, look, Paul Hewitt, we want you to get the mill, but you got $2 million. So they were leaning. In fact, they signed an LOI with those other guys because they had a strong cash balance. They said, we're going to unfortunately sign with these other guys, Paul, because you don't have cash. Having a better balance sheet improves it. It doesn't, it doesn't harm us. It actually puts us in a stronger position to negotiate on anything we're doing. Now, look, there, we're, mill expansion's always been uh, something we, we, we're, we're so far down the road now. We're looking at it, um, and that could be funded from organic growth, from our own balance sheet. Don't, don't discount the ore sorters yet. Please don't do that. Look, we know we've been talking about it, but they've only been pushed aside and delayed because of COVID. We've been pretty blessed here, though. We're at least still producing our ounces where most people are, are looking at their shareholders and saying, COVID don't just displace uh, a study I wanted to do and increase. It shut my production down in half. So, you know, in all fairness, our production has survived where some of the projects that we wanted to get done were delayed by COVID, but we were willing to accept that, but we haven't thrown them out. In the meantime, in parallel, we're certainly looking at milling alternatives. And my career has been, I can't tell you how many times in my lifetime that I've been a general manager, COO, CEO, mine manager, where somebody picks up the phone, calls me at two in the morning or in the middle of the day and says, Paul, we're out of ore. We got no ore. And we're frustrated and we got no war for three, four days. We advance schedules in the mill, PMs, we do cleanouts. In our case, this is a great problem to have. Having too much ore for our mill will we'll displace the higher grade in the beginning. When we find that milling solution, we'll be able, we're not throwing away the grade. We're, we're, we're having this as a reserve stockpile. So um, we're, play, we're being very smart about every step of the way. We recognize that we need more capacity. Okay, and I buy that. Okay, so, so that's good. Talk to me about how companies like you handle the financing to buy. A, I know you've got a lot of cash, but you don't want to use that. You want some reserves, you want some optionality. Does the cost of money change it with for a company of your position in terms of not just the cash in hand, but the ability to continually produce free cash flow? Because it's a big outlay. And you don't want to dilute shareholders, well, our, do you? Our cost of capital changes certainly. Look, let's let's just let's just think of Corora a year ago, Matt, and think of it today. A year ago, Corora bought HGO Mill. We had to incur some debt. 
we paid 10% on that debt. Today, if we were to buy something similar or buy build something for $70 million and we didn't want to dilute shareholders, we wanted to use cash and some debt, we would certainly get debt at a much reduced rate from where we are today. And that's because the company has a strong balance sheet because we have history of proving our consistent amount of ounces. We have future cash flow in front of ourselves. So our, our average cost of capital, our WAC, our weighted average cost of capital will certainly reduce, providing us more optionality to do things. Um, sometimes people forget when you're, you know, when we, we look at several things, we're not, again, sitting on our hands. We're looking at all kinds of things that are creative, that make sense. But there's always someone on the other end negotiating with us. We don't get to call all the shots as much as we'd like to. Someone else is on the other end negotiating, saying, hang on now. Um, just like the royalty, I said, no way, we're not issuing shares, not a chance. I said, it's all $3 million in cash. I said, I'm not giving him a share. And it was like, well, you either do something and help us so that we don't look like schmucks um, and we don't look bad, so you issue a bit. So the 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 the, the, the compromise was, okay, give them a million dollars in shares. Um, so anyhow, there's always someone on the other end. It's not a one-way negotiation. That, that was the point I was getting to. I know, but that's the point I was getting to earlier, Paul. It's like, the fact you've got cash means your balance sheet looks great and people are saying, okay, we, these guys are good for it, right? But at the same time, things just get a little bit more expensive. They go, because they've got cash, I think we'll charge them a little bit more. Because it's integral to well, their plans, yeah. I'll charge them a little bit more. Does that not happen? I tell you, Matt, Matt if you work for me, I'd drug test you. I think that's nuts. <laughs> no way in hell. There's absolutely no way. Why would you say that? No way. Why would people, you know what, Newmont has billions of dollars. You think Newmont says, hey, because we have more money, we're willing to pay more. They do the work and they pay what's fair. And, and we use every piece of leverage we can to negotiate what's more accretive for our shareholders. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I respectfully disagree. Well, you're the one who's turned this around, and what the hell do I know? So, uh, good job, <laughs> good job. Um, I declined the drug test, though. So, what? <laughs> it was it was meant to be humor, but um, um, it, it is always humor. Yeah, really I don't, think, I, don't think I really believe wholeheartedly, actually. And I, you know, I've given you a case in my life where it's been it's happened to me. We're having a stronger balance sheet puts you in a better negotiation. It's not like going in. Um, to buy a car for yourself and someone says, oh, look, that guy just drove in in a Range Rover. Whoa, he's can afford one. That's not that's not what we're up against here. We're not up against a car salesman. Yeah, We're up against some sophisticated people who are selling assets and we do our homework, they do their homework. The fact that we have a cash position gives us that optionality and flexibility to actually follow through with some of these decisions. Whereas others who don't have cash who don't have access to it um, might make an offer conditional on on um, sourcing financing, and they might fumble the ball to get there. Okay, Paul, thanks so much for coming on, man. I know you're busiest uh, anything at the moment, but what a year! Well done. I suspect we're going to see more of the same uh, with the end of year report here. This is a hundred thousand ounce company. Who'd have thunk it in January? Yeah. Well, look, Matt, it's always a pleasure. I enjoy talking to you. I love getting up there and a message to my shareholders. We've got some of the best shareholders you're going to find in the world. So um, they're not going to be disappointed. They, you know, we've, we've, we've had some really good additions, some institutional buying. So 
I'm thrilled about about where we're headed. So nothing yeah. but good stuff in front of us. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.